Welcome back to the Crisis. This is Gordon. And this is Clint. And we are back once again on the Christian culture in quarantine. Yeah. It's good stuff, though. How are you doing yeah. with everything? I think I'm doing better now. I don't know. I don't know if it's just because it's Easter and Easter's celebratory and, like, me and Lizzie, like, feasted on Sunday and or if it's, you know, coming to the end of Exodus, which was really nice. Maybe the combination of the two, but this week's been really good so far. Yeah. How about you? No, I agree. Yeah, it's it's been awesome celebrating Easter for Easter Day. Actually, I did a, a Zoom lunch with my family, which was pretty cool. And uh, my roommate Davis jumped in too. We had this huge feast. I don't cook big meals often because I don't like to clean up after it. But we went, like, we went crazy with it. We literally yeah. spent the entire morning baking fancy desserts and, and cooking i'm still eating leftovers it's amazing but yeah it's just been a lot of celebratory stuff started uh, taking in some uh, actual media again a little bit not just the same stuff over and over again so speaking of which let's just go right into that what are you what are you taking in have you jumped the exodus 90s over let's binge everything or are you being responsible uh the former <laughs> <laughs> okay uh Yesterday, all me and Lizzie did besides play D&D was binge Ozark. Really? Okay, so I, I keep hearing that. Like, people are talking about that a lot. Yeah, we watched the first season yesterday. Okay. And it's uh, good? It is good. I would put very explicit content. So, definitely, like, nudity. That's okay. the only thing we don't like about it. Not, like, Game of Thrones in any way. But... It's just there, and so there's certain times where we're not looking at the screen, but we have to listen to the conversation. So other than that, it it is good. It's just very Breaking Bad. If you've seen Breaking Bad, it's almost the exact same thing, except not creating drugs. Instead, he's doing the the laundering of money. That's pretty much it. What what's the time period for this? Isn't it older? Uh, yeah, it's pretty much modern time. So like when it oh. came out which was, I think, a few years ago, is when it said, it's said to take place. Because there's, okay. like, one episode that's, like, a flashback, and it was, like, 2007. And then, yeah, the rest is supposed to take place in modern time. Gotcha. I was... I, I had no idea what it was, to be honest, but I was picturing when you said Ozarks, like... Missouri. Yeah, just, like, bootlegging, and we're talking, like, early... No, he's from Chicago, 1900s. and then gets in the very first episode it's very intense and you're like wow okay it's gonna be like that and it just gets caught up in a bad situation and is forced to move to the ozarks and launder there for a drug cartel wow that uh that's all in the first episode oh yeah that's quick okay yeah all right so you binge that whole season played some D D. what else uh, we, you know, I, I did Zoom as well with my family on, on Sunday, and I found a website that has, like, categories online for free. Mm-hmm. And so we played categories together, and there's also an online version of Codenames that you can play through Zoom. So what, we You did, play through Zoom? Yeah, so, like, we just, if you just share your screen. Oh, then, okay, okay. Then, like, you. everyone can see it. And so played Zoom, I mean, not played Zoom, played categories, <laughs> played, uh, uh, code names and that's really about it okay yeah a lot of people have been playing the like online board games and stuff it sounds like mm-hmm. okay so i still have a few books that i've been taking in so another morgan rice book i know every time i talk about these books i say how much i hate them but <laughs> as you've pointed out before i need to know what happens so yeah so i read a, a realm of shadows which I think is the second to last one in the series. So hopefully that will be the end of that. And then I finished the Inkheart series by Cornelia Funk. So the last one is Ink Death. And then I am in the middle of reading Eldest by Christopher Paolini, which is from the Inheritance Cycle, which other than Lord of the Rings is like my favorite series. And then my way of celebrating and breaking the fast so far has been Pokemon Go, Pokemon Sword and Yu-Gi-Oh! The Eternal Duel of Soul, which is old school Game Boy. So I've been playing the kind of games that I played in middle school, but 
<laughs> nicer versions of them. So big fan of uh, Pokemon Sword. And then I had heard that Pokemon Go had changed some of their functions so that you could play from your house easier. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I, I totally forgot about Pokemon Go, so I'm gonna have to open that and start opening gifts and and such. But uh, I know yeah. I, the only other th- feature I know is you can battle now. I think from distance. Yeah, you can. Well, so apparently the way it's supposed to work is you can battle five people, and then you have to go walk a certain distance before you can enter the the league again. But they got rid of the walking requirement, so you could just battle infinitely, basically. And every battle you win, you get free stuff. So I'm currently undefeated. On the the battle streak right now, so pretty excited yeah. about that. Come at me! It's that uh, tyrant. I totally there. forgot one other thing. I was taking in is I did start playing a an app game. I think I waited, and there's a game called Sky Children of Light. Okay. That what? the graphics are really cool. Like it's a really pretty game, um, and it reminds me a lot of like Zelda like Breath of the Wild, just kind of like the search and find type, but it's really beautiful. And so I just, I really don't know what I'm doing in the sense of like (laughs) the story is very minimal for the sense that everyone can play it. But for some reason I can't stop playing it. So essentially we're like the stars. I think the intro was like this, there were stars once in the sky, but then the, the sky fell. And I think I'm trying to put the constellation and stars back into the sky by finding lost souls and and little kids of light on on maps. Oh wow! Yeah. Thing. Once you you said it's an app. Yeah. yeah. So does does it have like a an end to it or is it just a continual play? Uh, both. So I think what you can reach an end to the story. Uh, so like I've already kind of gone through all the the worlds but i haven't found every piece of each constellation and then there's like this other world that i can enter to get certain things but you risk losing progress if you go in there Mm -hmm. and so i haven't been bold enough to go in there yet so and then it's all online so like if you got it you and i could play together so that's pretty cool too Hmm. Uh, like everyone else in there is other players from around the world so most people from like uh, asia are on there I, I noticed, but it's a really cool game for some reason. It's really pretty. If you have a phone that can handle like high high media, it it is really good. I would recommend. My phone struggles to handle Pokemon Go. Even it, it's <laughs> it's crashed like three times today already. Oh man. Yeah, I need to up, update my phone. I have a iPhone five. So is has that been distracting at all? Or are you working this week? I guess is the question. But has that also been distracting? Uh, yes, I am working. Yeah, so I'm I'm basically still working full time just from home uh, at this point. So yeah, it's been a little distracting, but I don't know. It, it's pretty easy to like have that running and then just catch something while I'm answering emails or whatever. Or I'll kind of just have it in my pocket when I go for a run in the morning. So if I pass a place that I know is like a, a gym, I'll just pull it out, catch my breath and uh, take over the gym real quick. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's not like obsessively uh, distracting, but yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it's a game, so it's going to distract me a little bit. So yeah. And then besides that, I too have obviously been zooming a lot. I think everyone has. And then this actually happened last weekend but the there was an online catholic conference that had like over 65,000 people that attended or something like that and it was free and they just had a ton of huge speakers and musicians and stuff so i checked out a little bit of that and then project ym live which is just a free live youth ministry night put on by project ym every sunday at 7 so i've been checking that out most weeks too after we're done with our own ministry stuff and then our topic for today. Yeah. So I literally just watched this this morning. Fantastic <laughs> movie. I was so excited to watch this. And when you suggested that we do it, I was like, yeah, I can't wait. So we're going to be talking about the movie 1917. If you're not familiar with it, it is it's a World War One movie. So we'll start. Yeah, we'll start with just the characters. We'll, we'll explain those first. Okay. So 
the the main two people we have Lance Corporal Thomas Blake. He's kind of the main character, and that's played by Dean Charles Chapman. And you were mentioning this before. Both the main characters are pretty much unknowns for the most part. I mean, not yeah. completely, but the only thing that I knew Dean Charles Chapman from is he plays Tom and Baratheon in Game of Thrones, which obviously is a huge show, but he does not have a massive role in that other than like one season, I think. And then the other main person is Lance Corporal William uh, Schofield, played by George McKay. And I didn't know anything that he was in, <laughs> but you've talked about this movie enough that I know that it's pretty big. So Captain Fantastic he was in. Yes. So that's a couple years old. I think it said it was four years old, which means for you it's probably a super outdated movie. It's really old, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then we were talking about this, too, where – the crazy thing about this is that it has a bunch of big name actors. So many. But, but none of them have, I don't want to say major roles, but like you see them for maybe two minutes tops. For like, No, it definitely seemed like a movie where they just heard the premise or who was making it or just the idea of how it was being made. And they were like, I want to be a part of that. Yeah. And like, yeah, that so, was it. And I mean, we have people like Colin Firth. He's like most famous for King's Speech, which absolutely like destroyed the awards that year. Um, but he's in like Kingsman, Mamma Mia, all that stuff. We have Captain Smith, played by Mark Strong, who we've talked about him before. He's in like anything with your stereotypical British actor. Yeah, he was Mark, in Sherlock. He was in what was the movie we did a couple uh, weeks ago? Uh, Sunshine. Oh, he was yeah. in that. Okay. And then everyone's favorite british person right now benedict cumberbatch played colonel mckenzie who we see like right at the end of the film only for a single scene but yeah so all of these guys are really only in one or two scenes and they're still important to the storyline but you really don't see much of them it's almost I'm honestly surprised you didn't put i don't know the character's name but the the people the troops that they meet on their journey which ones there's a couple different groups uh it's when the they he hitches a ride with ever with them and jumps on there as they're going and the bridge is torn down. Oh, were there people in there? Just I didn't the, even just the leader, the main leader is uh who who he talks to. Yeah, that's Mark Strong. Oh, well then that's not okay, then the one that uh the one from Sherlock is what I'm I'm talking about. The one that was a drunk. Right before uh, he crosses over into no man's land. Andrew Scott? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to put him on there, but I didn't. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we, we can put put him in. I don't care. Uh, Andrew Scott's in there, too. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he, he's in there. He plays a lieutenant. I love the way British people say lieutenant, by the way. Left, lieutenant. They always have the, like, F in there. But, yeah, so he plays a drunk lieutenant. Again, only in their one scene, but also a huge actor. So if you've seen the trailer for this movie, you basically know the entire premise. What I didn't realize was that it was actually inspired by the director, Sam Mendes's grandfather uh, and his experience in the war. And they, they explain that a little bit at the end of the movie. So it, it, it is rooted in some truth, not exactly, but the whole Germans retreating trap thing was was real the only thing that was off was the the date that it happened so it was actually earlier in the year but basic summary it's world war one two british soldiers the two that we just mentioned they're on the front lines and they are sent to deliver an urgent message to an isolated regiment within that regiment is actually corporal blake's brother older brother if the message isn't received on time then the entire regiment is going to walk into a trap and be massacred and they have only one day to cross enemy territory and deliver the message. That's essentially it. That's like mm -hmm. bare minimum. Anything you want to add to that? Try not to spoil too much. No, I mean, that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. I think okay. uh, the only other thing would be Thomas Blake was the one that they picked for it. And he was just asked to pick one other person to go. Yeah, and he chose his best friend, right. William Schofield. Okay, so there are a few points that I want to, like, touch in, in this story. So I'm going to try not to spoil too much, but that is essentially the summary. So where they get their assignment comes from the character played by Colin Firth, General Aaron Moore. So the general comes in, 
they have these um, photographs that were taken from the airplanes showing what actually is going on. And the Germans had retreated it and they thought that the British were winning. And so they're starting to charge after them. But in reality, the Germans were just falling back as a trap to ambush them. Uh, and so the general shows that to Blake and Schofield, tells them their mission, says that 1,600 men are going to die, including Blake's brother, if they fail. No pressure. And what first caught my attention here was what the general said as the two were leaving. The boys were essentially asking, why send just us? Why not send more people? And the general responds with actually a quote from a poem that, that I looked up. I want to talk about that. So he says, down to Gehenna or up to the throne, he travels the fastest who travels alone. Any initial thoughts on this before we jump into the actual poem? Uh, not right now, no. Okay. This comes from a poem by, I think it's Rudyard Kipling is how you pronounce it, called The Winners. Yeah. And so I don't know if we want to read this whole thing, maybe the, the first couple parts here. Uh, first off, I, I did some research on this, actually. This is part of a series of poems that were re released, and this one is actually a response to some other poem. Uh, I don't remember which one it was, but it was written somewhere around the year 1888, so before all this went down in World War I. Hmm. So the first line is actually a response to that other story, and so this whole poem is kind of mocking what happens in, in that other, other poem. So it says, What's the moral? Who rides may read. When the night is thick and the tracks are blind, a friend at a pinch is a friend indeed. But a fool to wait for the laggard behind, down to Gehenna or up to the throne, he travels the fastest who travels alone. White hands cling to the tightened rein, slipping the spur from the booted heel. Tenderest voices cry, turn again. Red lips tarnish the scabbard steel. High hopes faint on a warm hearth stone. He travels the fastest who travels alone. Let's go and stop there. I don't want to read the whole thing because it's going to get kind of long, but that's the halfway point. So any thoughts now that we've kind of opened up those first parts? I mean, Stances. I think I think the the biggest line would be the one that he quotes, you know, down to Gehenna or up to the throne being like heaven or hell. Mm -hmm. He travels the fastest who travels alone. It's really interesting because he's, you know, they're trying to send just two people rather than uh, because they don't want to they want to be speedy. But there's also something to what we, we've talked about in other podcasts and like the sense of accountability and fraternity and all those things. So the, the truth to you, you can be slowed down if you're traveling in, in a large number. But I think it's also like, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Safe or smarter what were you about to say yeah well I, well I was gonna say that I I see where, where you're coming from because when I heard him say this I was like I see what you're doing strategically and it makes sense but the quote I disagree I disagree with the quote that he he used so the down to Gehenna or up to the throne he travels the fastest who travels alone I actually I agree with the first part so down to Gehenna going down to hell uh is it's very easy to go there when when you're going on your own Right. It's very easy to make those mistakes. But up to the throne, I don't think it's easy to get to heaven on your own. And I don't think that's scriptural at all. And actually, when you look at the rest of this poem, I think we start to see that the the poet, Rudyard Kipling, is actually mocking the idea of trying to get to heaven on your own. Yeah. So I, I see what you're saying. Like, strategically, it makes sense. But the way that they present the... The, the poem, I guess, I don't think you can get to he heaven on your own easily. Well, I think what's interesting about this is the he said it says uh, when the night is thick and the tracks are blind, which so like when things get tough and we'll see that later on in the film, uh, a friend in a pinch is a friend indeed, but a fool to wait for the laggard behind. So I've, I noticed that like basically the way he's speaking in the first stanza, at least, is that use like more people to come along people are just resources they're just bodies essentially mm -hmm. and not like a necessity and so i think this is interesting because i don't think this is necessarily always true but i think 
maybe back in the day or even now, I think sometimes that's how the military can look at people as as just kind of like resources. Yeah, resources for a task or for the next thing. And so it's interesting that this poem was quoted by a what sergeant general general yeah yeah by by the general right before sending him because he's kind of like we just need you guys go do this and it's quicker if you guys go and if we're wrong then we're down two people yeah well you're technically down sixteen thousand or uh, 1600 people but yeah exactly well no um, if they were wrong about oh i, I see i see yeah, yeah well let's go ahead and take a look at the second half so the second half of the poem goes like this one may fall but he falls by himself exactly like what you just said Falls by himself, with himself to blame. One may attain, and to him his pelf, which I found out is kind of like loot or booty. And then it goes on to say, Loot of the city in gold or fame, plunder of earth shall be all his own, who travels the fastest and travels alone. Wherefore, the more ye be helping and stayed, stayed by a friend in the hour of toil, sing the heretical song I have made. His be the labor and yours be the spoil, when by his aid and the aid be disowned, he travels the fastest who travels alone. Any thoughts on the second half before I uh, comment on what I found? No, go ahead. Okay. Well, basically, the analysis that I've read on, on this poetry focuses on how he's using loot and plunder and uh, like words that sound, I guess, immoral or prideful to show kind of a mocking tone of this idea of go by yourself because if you go by yourself you don't have anyone to slow you down if you win all of the plunder is your own so if you fail it's on you it's not on someone else uh, and so it's this idea of it, it's all about you and and this kind of prideful thing but ultimately this whole message that i guess theatrically they're trying to get across is exactly what you said before i think from that very first stanza when the night is thick and the tracks are blind a friend at a pinch is a friend indeed but then also down to Gehenna or up to the throne. It's kind of this idea that these two are going to have to go through hell to try and get to their mission and to, to save who they need to save. And I think it's actually appropriate that we're talking about this during the octave of Easter, because that's one of the major themes that I see throughout this is they have to go through death and, and hell in order to get to where they need to go. Uh, and it's kind of this idea of, yeah, the the idea of them going alone is kind of like the idea of Christ going alone to die as well, I think. Right. And I think there's a parallel to that where in order for them to succeed, they first have to go to death and hell and then they will ascend to the throne. Does that make sense? D d no, did you perfectly. see that? Yeah. Okay. No, I think, I think that's great. Yeah. So I, this is all happening at, at the very beginning and as they're leaving, Schofield is really worried about this, rightfully so, because they have to literally run across no man's land to try and get to the enemy bunker by themselves, which would be a suicide mission, essentially, if if this information was faulty. And so he's trying to get Blake to just slow down because Blake is going all out because it's his brother, you know. And so he says, if we're not clever about this, nobody will get to your brother. And I think it's really easy for us to make any military movie a comparison to our spiritual warfare. And I think there's something small to this, too. So do you see where I'm going with it? I, I think so. Like going okay. on without a plan. Yeah. Yeah. It's, if we're not clever about this, nobody will get to your brother. Yeah. So if, if you just charge in blind and expect to succeed, especially if you're going by your by yourself, no one's going to get there. No one's going to succeed. And so I, I think that kind of goes back to what we were saying before about you have to be with someone and you have to have a plan going in. Yeah, this reminds me actually literally of the other day when you and I were actually texting and I was like mentioning something I was kind of struggling with during this time. And you responded like, do you have a like, have you thought about a game plan from like, do you have a plan for this next week or yeah. or not? And I think it's really important sometimes when in our spiritual lives, when we, you know, whether it's a lack in prayer or a lack in this virtue and we're like struggling and then but we don't either write down like how we're going to tackle that or some type of like plan to adjust. Right. 
and that can almost be prideful some, sometimes too, thinking like I can just I can just do this. I don't I don't need a plan. I don't need anyone else. Isn't that like the definition of insanity or something? Like doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results? Yeah, that's by that's Einstein. Just, that is. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't know who who it was from. But yeah, so just the, the next couple of things I want to point out are are not super important, I guess, but I think they're also related to different themes. So the first thing, the character played by Andrew Scott that we mentioned before, the drunk lieutenant or whatever he is, I think he's a lieutenant. As they are going over the front lines by themselves, he's basically like, well, you guys are going to die. So he actually pulls out his alcohol. Uh, he has like a flask and he blesses them and he gives them extreme unction, which if you're not familiar with that before, that's the old terminology for the last rites. So obviously it's not real last rites. It's more of a joke. But we, we see another thing of Christianity kind of breaking its way into the movie. And I also then, thought it was crazy that like by the time they got to him, because he was also a little while away, like him and his whole battalion or whatever you want to call it, were just sitting in this bunker thinking that the germ or not the german germans yeah, yeah the germans that the germans were on the like the other side in their bunkers just waiting to attack and yeah. like they were just sitting there blind like waiting for a battle that was never going to happen because the germans had retreated and it was just I, I don't know it was just crazy to see stuff like that in this movie dude world war one had to have been absolutely insane just standing there going back and forth over no man's land yeah absolutely crazy and i mean that would have happened, though. Like, they had only been gone for, what they said, like, a day. The Germans had yeah. retreated only for a day. Right. So going one day without a battle, I mean, I would hope that's uh, not completely unheard of. But, yeah, I, that would But that I would think that terrifying. I mean, I, I don't want to stretch out too much of each part of this, but I think that's also really important because I think when we, you know, in our in spiritual battle, when we are in a time where it seems to like, you know, we're like winning, we stop defending rather than like, even though the Germans are treated, they were still like always ready for a fight. Yeah. You know, even though he was yeah. drunk, but yeah, I think there's something to that. Absolutely. That, that's actually an awesome point. Cause that's uh, like the rules of St. Ignatius on consolation and, and desolation and spiritual warfare. And he gives all these, well, St. Ignatius was a soldier, first off, so he viewed all this as a battle. And so he actually talked about this. When you're in spiritual consolation, which is when you feel Christ's presence, which is like this day of peace, I guess, where there's no fighting, are you building up your defenses to make them stronger? Or are you not? Are you recognizing where your weak points are? So I, I think that's a really, really good connection. And if you guys want to know more about the rules of St. Ignatius, we've talked about them before, but... I think the episode where we talked the most in depth on them was actually our Pocahontas episode. So I'll throw a link to that in here too. And you guys can check that out. Yes. We went Disney Pocahontas to St. Ignatius. It was fantastic. <laughs> so I don't think it's spoiling too much to say that eventually they make it to the German trenches. Otherwise this would be a really short, boring movie if they didn't. And without giving too much away, essentially they, they run into a trap where Schofield is, uh, he, he could die, right? Uh, and Blake has to save him. And so we see this, I guess for the next couple of scenes, we see almost like a I owe you now kind of thing between them. And I, I think that weighs on Schofield a little bit throughout the movie. But I, I think it's important that, that Blake saved him. Right. And then immediately after that, they have to jump over a, a mine shaft and Schofield is still kind of blinded from the trap. And so it's a literal leap of faith where he has to trust Blake again. And I think in this sense, the more I think about it, I think Blake actually shows some characteristics of a Christ figure in this, where he he saved Schofield. He's uh, going on this mission, which essentially was supposed to be just him. We'll see what happens later. But in doing so, he's supposed to save everyone else. And then he's guiding Schofield over this, this leap of faith. And then when we get just outside of all this trap and stuff and, and they get a chance to sit down and relax and kind of clear his eyes out and stuff so he can see again, Schofield says, I wish you would have picked some other bloody idiot. Why did you have to choose me? So 
with that in mind, any thoughts on kind of those few things happening back to back? Yeah, I mean, I th- I think you you kind of said it by painting Blake as the Christ figure. I think that's a really beautiful takeaway because I'm watching it. I didn't even think about that, but just that when we're picked, which we naturally are for anything, but really just for living out our faith, and then you know you have vocations, all those things. It's going to be every few few steps is going to be a leap of faith, and then it's gonna you know there's gonna be struggle. There's going to be this spiritual battle that we've talked about. That's gonna be easy in a, in a war movie, but all these things and by to where we'll hit moments where we're like, man, I wish, I wish it was someone else. Mm-hmm. Why does it have to be me? Why does it have to be this? All these things. Why can't you just pick someone else and leave me alone and let me just like, I'd rather just kind of like live out the rest of my days on my own. That's cool. We don't really mean that, but that's how we feel because it, it's just, it can be, or it seems in our perspective, it can feel some sometimes hard. And so I think it's really beautiful to like see that played out in this movie. Yeah. For sure. This next scene is kind of the biggest thing that I actually don't want to talk about. So basically what what I will say is something happens where Schofield has to finish the mission on his own. Yeah. And and Blake can't continue. Do you want to say any more about that or should we just leave it as that? We can leave it as that. Okay. So Schofield continues on and eventually he finds some other British soldiers who are now pushing forward, realizing that the Germans had retreated, and he travels with them for a little ways. And this is kind of what you're talking about before. This is where we see Captain Smith, played by Mark Strong. And one of the things that he he says right before Schofield splits with that group is he says, if you make it to Sergeant McKenzie, who is Benedict Cumberbatch, and that's the character that they're trying to get the message to, if you make it to Sergeant McKenzie, Make sure there are witnesses. And Schofield's like kind of confused. And he says, uh, I, I have direct orders, sir. And Captain Smith responds, I know. But some men just like to fight. And this idea that he needs to bring someone with him when he goes to the, the sergeant, to me, is also another reminder that he can't ultimately do this by himself. He needs to have someone with him even to the very end of delivering the message. So I, I think that's just kind of a small thing, but I think that also supports what we were talking about before. Right. Okay, so basically a, a lot of things happen, but without giving away too much, he's he continues on his journey. He keeps going. And the next thing that I want to bring up is he is getting really, really close, and that night he ends up hiding uh, briefly in a basement where he finds a young French woman with her baby, or a baby, not her baby. And he speaks to her in French, and she tells him, ultimately where he needs to go to get from where they are now to where the soldiers are hiding. And she helps with his pain a little bit. And then he gives them all of his food and the milk that he got earlier for for the baby. And then he recites a poem to the baby called the Jumblies by Edward Lear. And I didn't get a chance to read this whole thing, but essentially what it looks like is it's a poem, I believe about soldiers going to war. And it talks about how they went to sea in a sieve they did in a sieve they went to sea. And so it's these soldiers who are traveling to war. And it says their heads are green and their hands are blue and they went to sea in a sieve. So their heads are green. Obviously, they're sick from seasick. Their hands are blue from clenching on to the side of the ship. But the main line that I want to point out from this is it says... Though the sky be dark and the voyage be long, yet we never can think we were rash or wrong. So the main reason I want to bring this up is this is kind of the central theme of this poem, too. And it's this idea that these soldiers who who are traveling uh, over the sea are, again, going through great perils before they get to their end, whatever that might be. And so it's talking about though the sky be dark and the voyage be long. So they're, they're going through this darkness, through this, this very long, difficult travel. We never can think that we were rash, so acting too quickly, or that we were wrong. So ultimately, even though this is challenging, what we're doing is right, and we, we know that it needs to be done. And so ultimately, 
the poem brings them again through darkness into completing their mission or completing their call, whatever that may be. Yeah. And any other thoughts on that? I don't know. No. The only other thing was, I mean, you've already said it a few times is darkness. I thought it was really interesting because the other poem, uh, the winners also mentioned like when the night is long and the journey is blind. And so like, I just think it's really interesting that both these poems talking about like journeys, whether alone or together with people, what makes it hard is, is darkness and like blindness, but that shouldn't stop us. Cause we literally saw earlier in the movie when one of the characters was literally blind, he could still survive and make it and continue on. So that's just it. And that actually ties into the third, I guess this one's not a poem. This one's a, a song, but third thing that ties into that same theme, which is a song I think it's an American folk song originally, but I, I actually love this song. It's called Wayfaring Stranger. And where this comes in in the movie is he he's traveling, following the directions of the French woman. And you mentioned this before, but he has the chance to stay with her. And she asks him to stay with her where it's safe and not go. But he, he goes and he follows the directions. And eventually he hears this music. And he follows the song, and it, it's it's this, it's it's Wayfaring Stranger. I actually, this is random, but I actually just oh, learned is that how to, what they were singing? The one guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I actually just learned how to play this song on guitar a couple weeks ago. Big fan of this song. Anyways, so it goes like this: I'm a poor wayfaring stranger. I'm traveling through this world of woe. Yet there's no sickness, toil, or danger in that right land to which I go. I'm going there to see my father. I'm going there no more to roam. I'm only going over Jordan. I'm only going over home. So just really quickly, I, I, I think this one's pretty obvious. So we have this person who's a, a wayfaring, who's, who's on a, a journey, again, like you were just talking about. And they're going through this world of woe, this darkness, this suffering, again, like you were just talking about. Yet there's no sickness, toil, or danger in the bright land to which I'm going. And so it's talking about, again, going to this this promised land. And we see that in the next verse, he's going to see his father. In this case, it's, it's referencing God, the father, obviously. And I'm not going to roam anymore. I'm not going to be someone who's on a journey. I'm only going over Jordan. So this is a reference to uh, the book of Joshua in the Old Testament, where the Israelites finally cross over the river Jordan into the promised land for the first time since their exile to Egypt. And I'm, I'm only going over home. So he's recognizing that he's entering into the promised land. Obviously, as a re reference to heaven, which he's saying is his home. I, I know I just broke that down way too much, but do you have any thoughts before no, we jump into the I next part? I think that's great. No. Okay. So second verse, I know dark clouds will gather around me. I know my way is rough and steep, but golden fields lie just before me where God's redeemed shall ever sleep. And then the chorus, I'm going home to see my mother. And all my loved ones who've gone on, I'm only going over Jordan. I'm only going over home. So you want to break this one down since I stole the last one? The, I know the dark clouds, that one? Yeah, dark clouds. And then the chorus is a little Insane. bit different, too. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, you go ahead because I think you know this song better than I do, which okay. is funny because it's Johnny Cash. Well, Johnny Cash has a, a cover. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. So it's I know dark clouds will gather around me. Obviously, that whole verse is just talking about how he has a very rough, steep journey full of darkness. But he knows that there is a promised golden field that's laying beyond where it literally says God's redeemed shall ever sleep. So sleeping in, in this golden field, the promised goodness that comes beyond. And then the only difference in the chorus is I'm going home to see my mother instead of father. So this could be a reference to Mary because it says, and all my loved ones right. who've gone on, which would be the saints. And so going not only to see God the Father, but also to see uh, our mother Mary and, and the saints who have gone before. And then the final verse, I am a poor wayfarer and stranger. I'm traveling through this world of woe. Yet there's no sickness, toil or danger in that bright land to which I go. So just again, reminding us that... We are traveling through this this darkness, through this danger, but there's brightness on the other side. So like you said, all of these are connected. The, the poems and, and the song are all talking about this journey of darkness 
in which there's a bright end on the other side. Right. And like I said before, I think it's so fitting that we're talking about this right after Lent and just as we're starting Easter, especially in, in the midst of this pandemic. Right. Yeah. I think this would be a good time to talk about what you wanted to say before, if if you want. Yeah, definitely. For me, the biggest takeaway, and I mean, the reason I suggested it to Clint was just, it was actually during the time of Lent. So I think it is really beautiful that we're talking about it now. But watching it, especially in this time of pandemic, me and Lizzie were like, man, this is such, I think, a powerful movie. I think anybody should go watch it right now just because you're watching this journey of these two guys on a strict timeline making haste to deliver a message and there are so many times where he had the opportunity to stop like with the woman and the baby you know it made sense actually for him to stay with her because the woman needed help and this baby needed taking care of to like be fed and all these things and so it was for a good cause to stop and stay or there was there was times in the movie where you see people die and it would make sense to honor them and bury but he had he, he there was no time he would have to stop and just like scripturally speaking let the dead bury the dead in order to mm. continue on and there were times when he was just so tired like there were times when he was like falling asleep in the journey and did like almost did like take a nap because but he couldn't he had to just keep going without sleep without just physically tired to deliver this message and some of those would have been would have been selfish but some of those would have been selfless acts to stop but no matter what he he journeyed on and i think whether it's during this pandemic or whether it's the season of Lent or whether it's even now, I think sometimes that's just, it applies so heavily to our own lives, whether it's spiritual or, or just normal life that we were just like, sometimes we're tired or sometimes we're like, Oh, well, instead of doing this, I can do this thing, which is a good thing, but we have to just keep going. Yeah. I love that you point pointed out that some of the options were actually really good selfless things because yeah. I think a lot of the times we have this call or this mission or this vocation and we're distracted by other good things. They're not bad, but they're not no. what we are called to do right now. And so sometimes we'll go do those things instead. I think, was it you and I that were talking last week about how like we'll do certain things to avoid what we need to do? They're kind of uh, like getting around. I know I need to do this one task, but I have all these smaller things that need to be done eventually. I'm going to go do those smaller things because I don't want to do the big thing. Yeah, I don't know what episode that was. That was like two or three episodes ago. Okay, yeah. But I, I think that's kind of along this as well. And I I said this when you were describing that thought to me. This made me think of Lord of the Rings, which a lot of things make me think of Lord of the Rings. But also just watching this in general, not even thinking about what you were saying, the relationship between Schofield and Blake, to me, resembled a lot of Samwise Gamgee and Blake being Frodo. Totally, yeah. And even more so, now that I think about it, I compared Blake to being a Christ figure. Frodo in Lord of the Rings is one of the Christ figures. And in the same way, Blake, the Christ figure, was not able to finish the mission on his own and needed Schofield or Sam to help him along the way. In the same way, we have uh, Christ himself who was carrying the cross and needed help to carry that cross. And, and so we kind of see that connection there as well. So it's Blake's mission, but Schofield is there quietly to help him through over and over and over again. And even though Blake saves Schofield, there's so many times where he could not have done it without Schofield. So what I wanted to point out, though, is based off of what you were just saying, where he could have he had so many chances to turn back. That actually reminded me directly of a quote from the Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. This is kind of a conversation between Samwise Gamgee and Frodo Baggins in kind of the moment of the movie where it just seems like all is lost and everything is just it's over and so yeah. here here's what it goes Sam says it's all wrong by rights we shouldn't even be here but we are it's like in the great stories Mr. Frodo the ones that really mattered full of darkness and danger they were and sometimes you didn't want to know the end because how could the end be happy 
How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come, and when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you, that meant something. Even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, but only they didn't, because they were holding on to something. And then Frodo says, what are we holding on to, Sam? And Sam replies, that there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. And I think that, in the context of what you were saying before, fits so perfectly with those other two poems and that song into the theme of this movie. Yeah, I think what's what's so crazy is that some of the times especially later the reason to give up was actually like because he calculated like how much distance was left and knowing they were going to send the troops in the morning and he was like i'm literally i'm physically not going to make it like by the time i get there it's gonna be too late so what's the point Mm -hmm. and he still was like no i gotta go just in case I can, I think I can still make it. And it's like, you're, you're not going to make it. Like even watching the movie, I love that it was filmed in a one shot. Cause you're like, I'm not going to make it. And you're just, it's just, you're so on edge. And yeah, it was. Yeah. That's something we actually, I don't think we actually mentioned uh, no, is yeah. that this whole movie was filmed to appear as if it was one single shot. And so it makes you feel like this is a consecutive journey that you're a part of. Um, cause there's no breaks, there's no cut scenes or anything, at least that you can see they do an awesome job of making it very seamless. And so it's like, you're actually there on this journey with them feeling the exhaustion as they go through. So it's really, really done well cinematically, I think. Yeah. The only other thing that I would toss out, and this is kind of a, a small theme is the overconfidence of Sergeant McKenzie, who is played by Benedict Cumberbatch. The whole reason why this is a problem is because he had this idea of, I have them on the run, we need to attack. When in reality, they weren't on the run. And so I think this is another thing that we can talk about in our spiritual warfare of, we think that we have a better standing or better idea of where we are than the reality is. We think that we have Satan or uh, temptations or whatever it might be on the run, when in Mm -hmm. reality, they have us exactly where they they want us i don't i don't know if there's any more to say to that i think it's pretty straightforward but do you have anything yeah no i yeah i think you said it's saying it's straightforward okay then that's all i have on uh on this movie do you have any challenges or final thoughts like i said i I think one of the one final thought would be i think it's a great movie to go watch right now it's not necessarily super accurate but it's really just a different movie and i think it does just watching it besides giving you a little anxiety in the beginning and throughout the experience by the end just gives you like a lot of hope and the message is really good what do you have yeah this is kind of a tough one to have a challenge for but i think my my honest challenge for you is to read either one or all three of those poems slash song and pray with the lyrics and and what they mean in your spiritual life right now what battles are you going through that you need to understand this message for what are you being called to go through We'll put uh, put links to all those in the in the description below. So make sure you check that out in the notes. And yeah, check out one of them. So it's either The Winners, The Jumblies, or Wayfaring Stranger. One mm-hmm. or more of those. Read the lyrics, pray with those, and take your honest feelings about what you're struggling with to God. That's my yeah. challenge. That's great. And do you have any shout outs? I know we uh, don't see people anymore, but... <laughs> yeah, the only... I mean, the only shout out would be jonathan alexander because he has uh he's the one that bought this movie and we have access to the movies that he he purchases so that's how i was able to watch it <laughs> thank you jonathan yeah i i haven't seen a whole lot of people so i'm going to say the the awesome thing this week was get, to get to see my family and to chat with them so i'm going to give a shout out to all my family who i got to hang out with before so i know some of them uh listen to the show so nice. shout out fam so with that Thank you guys for joining us on the adventure this week. This truly was a movie that was all about the adventure, about the journey uh, and the challenges that come with it and the glory that comes with it and the the reward. So thank you guys for joining us on that. 
If you want to follow us, make sure you check us out on Facebook or Twitter. Twitter is at On the Adventure 2. Facebook is just our name, The Christ and Culture. Also, if you want just an easy way to find all of our stuff, check us out on our website, thechristandculture.com. Super easy to find us. Also, we have stuff on YouTube. We are still working on getting all of our episodes put into YouTube, I guess, movies, technically. But you can check out our show on there as well. We have basically all of this year, season three, uh, uploaded on there already and most of season two. One more time, if you've been listening the last couple of weeks, if you would like to support us financially, please don't. Instead, please take whatever you would give to us. Give it to someone who is in need. I heard this week that we are up over 10% unemployment rate in the U.S. right now, which is the highest it's been since like the Great Depression, apparently. Yeah. I don't know much about that kind of stuff. But guys, there are so many people who need your financial support right now. And this this show, we will survive without your donation so please 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 go find someone who needs it uh love those around you love your family and take care of those people in, in this this time of struggle because like we are now learning in this season of easter and from this movie hope is coming the journey's gonna suck for a little bit but we'll get there yeah anything i'm missing no okay thank you guys so much and we'll see you guys next week bye